LinkedIn presents. Whatever you negotiate, just make sure that you're okay with it, and like it's a number that you're like, "Hey, I'm very happy about this," because you're gonna find out later that you might have been cut short, right? And you might feel like, "Oh my gosh, like I could have gotten an extra thirty k or ten thousand dollars." It's like, you know what? You got the job. You were happy about it. You negotiated it and、um, accepted terms, and be like, you know what? I'm gonna continue forward and progress my career, and hopefully the next time I'm gonna do better. No degree, no problem. Any problem we can solve them. LinkedIn Somnia keeps us evolving. We growing in the knowing. The wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going. Welcome to another episode of the No Degree Podcast. I want to personally thank you for tuning in and supporting our show. If you haven't yet, hit that follow or subscribe button. I encourage you. Don't keep this to yourself. Share these inspiring stories with your friends. Invite them to subscribe and connect with us on social media. So today I have Shashi Lo. What do you do? Well, I I am a、uh, senior software engineer for Microsoft. Um, my day to day is pretty much working on the front end side.、Uh, my specialty is actually on the UX engineering side of things. So taking design and implementing it into development, but also working with businesses, right? Like working with product, working with design, working with managers, working cross functional. So kind of doing all that. So、uh, my, the current team I'm on is called the Microsoft Pricing Experience Team. Uh, what we focus on is creating estimates for users. So when you go into the Azure portal and you want to kind of provision、um, virtual machines, storage, and and all of that, right? Adding DataBricks to your services, all that, you kind of want to know how much it's going to cost you because you want to increase the size of your virtual machines, your storage, all that stuff. And by doing that, you want to know what's going to cost. Right now, you kind of really don't have it. So we have an application that we've built. That provides those calculations for you, so you kind of have a better idea of what you're going to be charged when you use it. So I think the cool thing is that there are like 150 different teams. That means that there's 150 different calculations、wow. and all that. A lot of business logic.、Um, every team does things a little bit differently,、um, so you kind of have to bake that in, understand the logic, understand how all these things kind of tie in. So it's like a spreadsheet. On steroids, like it's a lot of data, a lot of things that are happening. But I think the great thing is that we have a good project management team that understands all that. And on our, our end, as engineers, I mean, we kind of have to understand how things work and tie it together, all that stuff. But it's fun. Like at first, I was like, it's kind of boring because it's just data and like calculating things. But once you dig into the crux of it, like there's so much functionality in there. And it becomes fun because then you want to figure out okay how does this thing tie in with this and then how does this come out to the、um, pricing that you're looking for? Wow, that's amazing! So you've moved up very high throughout your career. Ah,、uh, yeah. <laughs> and what would you say is like the blueprint for success? I would say that it is your ability to grind it out. Like people always say, the it factor. What is that it factor? For me, that it factor is being a team player, being able to pick a task and go above and beyond, get it done. Like you don't need to burn yourself out, right? Like don't do like you know twenty four hours of work a day, but 
grinding it out, spending extra time, doing extra research, asking what the pain points are, and doing all that. Because by doing that, you're training yourself to work harder. Obviously, working harder sometimes isn't great because you're going to burn yourself out. But as you train your body to work harder, you're going to be able to become a better problem solver at the same time. Because the more that you kind of feed yourself um, challenges, the more you're going to get over it. And when those challenges come back again, you're already going to know how to figure them out. And a lot of things that we do as uh, developers, engineers is repetitive. It's a lot of the same things. How do you get from A to C? Okay, well, I've done this many times. So I kind of know how to do fill it in with B. Let's figure this out and see if it works. Um, being able to do that, I think it goes a long way. And, you know, just being able to learn. I always say like build, fail, learn, repeat. Because as you keep that concept going, you're just going to continue to build something different, gather from that mistake, learn from it, and then do it again. And you just keep repeating that cycle. You mentioned it's like a skill you build. Like a lot of people, it's not just one day you go and you work hard. And anybody who can do that typically doesn't keep doing that. Like you'll work hard for a day or two. It's this muscle. It's like going to the gym and saying, hey, I want to run 20 miles. You don't start out running 20 miles. And if you try it, you'll probably injure yourself. And you have to have that skill where you build up. And a lot of people look at this person, oh, 20 years. And it's like, hey, they didn't start off like that. They built it Mm -hmm. and they got to a level and they figured out the systems and the processes that worked for them. Now, what's the salary range for someone who does what you do? Yeah, typical salary range for what I do is between like 150 base to 190 base. Uh, depending, obviously, depending on region, area, all that stuff. But even on top of that, like these big companies, they offer more than just base, right? They offer bonuses. You can go find this online too, where Microsoft, depending on what level you're at, it could be from 10% to 25 to 30% of your base annually. And then even that, they provide like uh, annual stock uh, refreshers. Microsoft doesn't provide the greatest stock refreshers, but there's still a decent amount. It could be 5000 a year to you know 15000 a year, and it lasts up to uh, four to five years. And then obviously, if you negotiate well, you can get sign-on bonus and RSUs as well from the beginning. So all that package together, it could be upwards of two hundred to three hundred thousand wow. dollars um, for a full year on average, right? But again, it really depends on region. It depends how you negotiate. It depends what level you come at. But all this data, it's out there. Like it's on levels FYI. It's uh, you can find it on a glass door. All that stuff. It's legit. Like those people that are reporting this, they're just helping future employers of that company. And I think that's the best thing. It helps us negotiate. Right, going in like, oh, I'm not sure. I used to be lowballed, so I'm gonna go with that number. Well, if you do your research right and well, you can get a really good salary and good starting point. Yeah, and it's important to know where you stand and how to advocate for yourself because, oh, yeah, especially 100%. if you're working hard and you're coming from smaller companies, you may think like, oh, wow, it's so good, right? Because it's significantly higher than <laughs> yeah. yeah. But you don't know. Like I've seen situations where I had a friend; he was going for a product role. And he, his mm-hmm. number was 275. Thankfully, he played it right. But his offer was closer to 400K. So imagine he goes in and is like, oh, 275, wow. take it or leave it. They're yeah. like, you know what? We like you. We'll give you 290. Not realizing that he's yeah. leaving close to six figures on the table. 
No, definitely do your research for your region. Uh, obviously, I'm in uh, Texas, so it's kind of middle tier region. If I was in San Francisco or New York, oh yeah, high tier. Yeah. You know, like these numbers are going to fluctuate and go way higher, especially uh, people that work for Microsoft in Seattle. That's also a tier one where they're getting paid ridiculously high, but cost of living is super high. So everything kind of balances out on its yeah. own. I would always say this is whatever you negotiate, just make sure that you're okay with it. And like, it's a number that you're like, hey, I'm very happy about this because you're going to find out later that you might have been cut short, right? And you might feel like, oh my gosh, like I could have gotten an extra 30K or $10,000. It's like, you know what? You got the job. You were happy about it. You negotiated it and um, accept the terms and be like, you know what? I'm going to continue forward and progress my career. And hopefully the next time I'm going to do better. Yeah. Now let's take it back. How is high school like for you? And what do you want to be in high school? Man, I hated school. <laughs> Not even going to sugarcoat that one. Like, I think the one thing that I really enjoyed in high school was sports, obviously girls <laughs> and, and computers. So I played a lot of basketball and volleyball. And after school, that's what I would do. But before I did that, I would always go on the computer. I would always go into forums and trying to create my own like gaming form or go chat online or trying to create a little website or like design a logo or something. My hobby was always to be creative. Uh, we had a web design course in high school. Like it was the first one that was offered ever. And I took it and I loved it and I fell in love and I was like, this is what I want to do. Because I've been tinkering with computers and um, designing and all that. And I was like, you know what? This is what I want to do. I, I wanted to go into this. And I think that's really different from a lot of people today. I hear a lot of people career switching or going to a different avenue and then switching over to computer science or going to engineering. I went straight in to web design, web developments. And I, I went in because I loved it. It wasn't because it was the hottest thing in the market or it was going to make me the most money or anything. I just got, I was really blessed and really lucky to fall into tech. If it wasn't for that, like I always say that I would still do this if I was getting paid nothing. Like I love what I do and it's just awesome that I get a great salary and, and benefits and all that for my family. Um, I just fell into the, <laughs> the right place at the right time. Um, but even for that, like, I'm really happy about what I do. And I go the extra mile, right? I have a lot of cousins and nieces and nephews that always go to school and they always say, I hate what I do and all that stuff. And I say, you know what? What are you passionate about? Because whatever you're passionate about, you are going to go the extra mile for it. You are going to grind your butt off for that, right? And if you don't do that, then you're not going to, Excel. You're not going to get there faster. You're not going to get that promotion. You're not going to want to do your job. You're not going to love it. And I love what I do. And I think that that goes to why I put so much time and additional effort into what I do is because I have a passion for it. I love what I do. I love building websites, applications, uh, working on computers and all of that. So what came after high school? What came after high school was uh, college. Um, I went to an art school. At first, I was like, hey, I want to get a four-year degree in multimedia web design because that was the degree. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go in and do that. And then we'll see what happens. 
So I go in and like I told you earlier, I do not like school. (laughs) So I'm like, I'm just going to do this to get my piece of paper and get out. I meet a friend there. He was like, hey, um, what are you going for? I said, oh, same thing you are. He said, oh, are you going for two years as well? And I said, no, I'm actually going for my bachelor's. He's like, Shashi, think about this. Why are you going for your bachelor's? I'm going for my associate's degree. I'm going to get a two-year degree in web design, right? And then when I get out, I'm going to be two years ahead of you. And I was like, hey, are you frustrated with your job search? Are you sending out resume after resume with no callbacks? If so, I have some good news. After three years of helping over 400 people land jobs at places like Meta, HubSpot, Google, Twitter, Amazon, Tesla, Disney, Sony, just to name a few, I created a course. In the Get Your Dream Career course, you'll discover best practices for creating a resume that stands out and you'll also learn how to optimize your job search. It covers every aspect of the job, including resumes, application strategy, networking, LinkedIn profile optimization, interview guidance, and salary negotiation. You will also get a behind-the-scenes view of how recruiters use LinkedIn to find candidates. And of course, you'll get resume and cover letter templates. Get one step closer to your dream job. Sign up at the link in the notes below. You know what? That sounds pretty good. Like, that sounds good that I can just get out early and just start working and figuring my way out into the development world. Granted, our degree was multimedia, right? Like we did video, we did design. All that. It wasn't really focused on engineering at all. I've actually, there was no courses on engineering. We were taught more, uh, it was an art school. So we did a lot of painting, a lot of drawing. Um, sure, we built some like simple websites and stuff like that, but we did a lot of video editing, photography and all that. So when that hit me, I was like, you know what? I'm going to switch and just do my two year and get out of here and go to work. So that's what I did. I bounced to another school, but came back because I was like, you know what? I just want to finish this off. So finished that off, graduated. And then uh, right away, I was looking for an internship and got one as a designer. And so definitely, I would say that that school did not teach me much. I am self-taught more than anything. The teachers, there's maybe one, two good teachers there, but that school wanted basically just one of your money. Didn't have great teachers, no good curriculum or anything. Um, went away making one or two friends, but overall, the passion that I had to be a designer or developer was always there. So I pushed myself to learn. I pushed myself to grow and all of that, even after school. Wow, that's awesome. So how was that first job as a designer? And how did you go about learning on the job? Yeah, so I got an internship for a company called Weber Shanwick. And uh, basically what my job was to build these media kits. So I had to come up with some simple design. It's like email newsletters, right? So I had to design some uh, newsletters for certain companies uh, with content and all that and put it together. And some of them were built in in Flash. And if none of you know what Flash is, you don't need to know. It's all deprecated. It's gone. <laughs> but um, building in that, I was able to work with some developers as well. And so I, what I was seeing them do was actually doing all the hard work and for me, I'm like, well, all I'm doing is like kind of pushing things together and designing things. That's cool. But I actually want to do what they are doing as well. 
after work, like I would go home and kind of try to build my own websites from scratch or building my own form from scratch and kind of understanding how it all works because my curiosity was there now. Like at that point, there was no distinction between like front end or back end. It was just engineer or developer. That's all you were. And so I was like, well, that's what I want to do. So I did design development a little bit as well. So what's the difference between engineering and development? For me, developer is more like a web developer where they're focused on the website side of things um, and, you know, more agency type of work where you're building websites with WordPress, Drupal, um, HTML. Sure, you can build it with React and all that stuff, but it's more website stuff. Engineering is more software-based where you're building applications, a SaaS company, or working with a huge company where you're building products, right? And that's where I kind of see the difference. I don't even know if there's a difference, but in my eyes, that is, that's what it is. The reason why I say that is because I've been in all these industries. I've been in the web design uh, industry, web development, and the agency, uh, software engineering side of things, and kind of the full spectrum of engineering and, and development. So having that understanding of like how all these things work and uh, kind of the pros and cons of everything, uh, it's it was able to give me the experience that I have today where that's why the differentiators for me are kind of web-based and software-based. Yeah. You know, because I've been like looking at careers for a while. I feel like engineering mm-hmm. is a term that has really popped up in the last five to eight years. But earlier, yeah. it was just like developers or programmers. Yep. And I feel like mm-hmm. adding the word engineers is the best marketing thing that <laughs> software has done, right? You, like you add something yeah, yeah. and it's like, oh, you're a network, mm-hmm. network engineer, UI, UI engineer. And, and I do think that it has really helped because these oh, yeah. things have existed. So no, that, that's interesting to know. And that's kind of what I saw as like the engineering goes more into the architecture and the framework. You know, yeah. someone like in a few months, they could be a developer, but engineer goes into like, how do these systems interact? Why is this code more efficient than others? And it's something that it takes time, right? Yep, I agree with that. Um, And I agree with that standpoint too, because when I first started back in 2006, it was just developer or programmer. And then an engineer to me was like a hardware engineer um, or uh, or like a a machine engineer, Like, like something that dealt with some huge overhead, like architecturally, and developer and programmer was like, oh, they're just, you know, doing websites and stuff. That's you know, simple stuff. <laughs> but engineering is crazy because even back then, um, there was no such thing as front end, right? There was just the developer. Yeah. There's no front end or back end. And then everything was just back end and everything was designer. And so I would call myself a web developer designer because there was no such thing as a front end developer. Until I went into a job and they called me in front of developer. I was like, wait, that's a great title. That's exactly what I do. Is I build things on the client side. I don't touch anything in the back end. I don't do design anymore. I implement design. Wow, that's perfect. And then nowadays we have front-end engineer, UI engineer, UX engineer, front-end developer, web developer, like titles. Yeah, no, so many titles. Now, how'd you go about upskilling? Because this was before the free code camps. And a lot of the online resources. I know a lot of people even use books. My number one thing was books. 
like I would go to Barnes and Noble and find a, um, the developer area and find a book that I wanted to buy. And then I would buy that and then I would read it. I would not read all of it because I hate, yeah. again, I hate school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would look through most of it, try it out and then learn from it and continue to build. And back then there was no like stack overflow. There was Google. Sure. A lot of blogs and stuff. There was no community. There was obviously no social media yet. Facebook and MySpace was there, but it wasn't yeah. geared towards, you know, technology at all. It was like just fun stuff for your friends and your family. So it was extremely difficult to learn. I think the saving grace to me was that I freelanced after hours and I was always looking for the next thing. So even though I had a job, I was like, you know what? Because when I first started, granted, I in Minnesota, I made $33,000 right in 2006. That was good money back then. It's okay, but it's not life changing yeah. or it's not like walking by a house with this. No, my goal was, you know, to advance my career so I could buy my own car, could buy my own house, eventually get married one day, have kids. So I'm like, I gotta make some money somehow. Yeah. You know, I'm a child of an immigrant and my parents came with nothing but the clothes on their back. So they have, you know, like limited money and savings for us. And my parents had six children and I'm the fifth one, right? So they have six kids to feed and they have, you know, extra money to hand out or anything. So for me, I was like, okay, I got to grind it out so that I can help myself. I can help my future family and help them out. So I was freelancing and by freelancing that provided me an avenue to really build other things and to learn and to kind of grasp other technologies And that's kind of what I did. And this is going to be a funny story, but Craigslist was the big thing back then. Like I would make posts on Craigslist saying, hey, I'll do your website for $500 and I would get, you know, one or two hits. And I actually found some really great connections on on Craigslist. One lifelong friend that I uh, still connect with today, he put out an ad to come and build uh, an e-commerce site and I answered it. And it's so funny because nowadays you don't do that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's just so funny how things work like that. I guess because that was the technology that we had back then. That's what we used. And so I met up with him in person and and hooked up. And it actually turned uh, that first project was okay. But the next two projects, it was awesome because that allowed me to go full-time freelance. And that's where my career took me. Once we landed that project, I knew that, you know what, I wanted to become my own boss. And this is going to allow me to take that step forward. And I was able to do that in, I think, my fourth year of my career. I was able to do that for two years. Okay. So how was it being your own boss? And what are some things you learned? Oh, man, it was extremely difficult and so much work. Like, I was, I wanted it so badly <laughs> when I got it. I was like, damn, this is really hard. You have to one, get the jobs, two, complete the jobs, three, continue to look for jobs, and then four, make the clients happy. And that's just not one client. That's like four or five of them at yeah. the same time, right? So when you multiply that by like five, now you have 20 things to do and you're doing it on your own. How are you going to do it all while keeping your quality up and all that? So that meant I was spending 10 to 12 hour days working, catching up and making sure things are going. And back then, 
there was no like video chat or anything. There was emails, sure, but I had to go meet them in person, right? I had to drive there, meet the clients in person, um, do sometimes do like weekly sync ups, all that stuff. Sometimes it was on the phone, sometimes it was in person. It was like amazing to be my own boss and spend all that out, all that time to kind of figure things out. But in the end, it was just too much because when I stopped, um, I had my first child and he was probably one and a half or two. And then we're, I think, I think we were going to have my second one. And we said, you know what? Like, it'd be great to have benefits and stability. And at that point, I wish that my network was better and bigger, but any kind of network you were building, I think this was back like, yeah, 2012 ish. Any network you were building was in person. It was really hard to build a network online at that point. And so everything I had, I had to go to meetups. I had to put myself out there. I actually got a, an, a, a little um, membership for a co-working space in downtown Minneapolis. Met a ton of people, but it wasn't enough. Like I was trying to hold on tight and be like, hey, you know what? I'm going to build an agency from this and, and run my own company and all that stuff. It just wasn't enough at that time. And so I was uh, lucky enough to make a connection there and get hired to be a software engineer as a backend developer for one of the real estate companies at that co-working spot. So I was like, you know what? It kind of worked itself out. I was able to uh, advance my career now to the next part of my life, which is understanding and becoming a software engineer. Yeah. So now, how did it go? Now you're back into the workforce. How was that transition? Yeah, the transition was, it was pretty good, I'd say. Um, I think the only downfall now is that I had to go to work every day, (laughs) right? Like now it's like work every day. Uh, Sure, Fridays, we might take half days and stuff like that. But now I have to drive there every day. Uh, You know, you have to get dressed every day. Uh, When I was my own boss, I would try to go to the co-working space like three times a week or so. Uh, But now it's like, okay, now I actually have... um, like work to do uh, consistently. I don't have to find it anymore. I get a salary. It's not better than my independent contracting, but I get all the benefits. Um, I get coworkers and all that stuff. So it was good to actually have some coworkers. Uh, the coworking space provided a little bit of that. And the other thing was like my uh, my family as well. Now I had two kids and they were really young, under two years old. I was taking care of them and uh, you know, I had to leave them every day and it was, it was tough at first, but understanding that going back into the workforce was something that I had to do for my family. I had to bite the bullet and be like, you know what? I have to do that, but I still freelanced. <laughs> so I continuously still freelanced after hours, like always trying to find something uh, to help us, right? Always trying to find that next job even if it was uh, something that uh, may not be fruitful right away, uh, it was something that would build up. So I was always able to find something uh, when I needed it or, or somebody would come asking me uh, to freelance for them or contract for them. Uh, some, I've turned some things down as well, obviously, but uh, there's been some opportunities that are presented to me that have been tremendous to uh, for my family and I. Yeah, so how is it when you're, running your own business while working like did you was it easier in some aspects because you kind of only chose a few clients did you were you able to raise your prices because you didn't depend on it what were some of the benefits of that 
Yeah, I think the, the benefit was that I had a job, so I can be picky, right? Be particular about what projects and companies I want to work for. Um, so I was able to turn some down and accept some that I was like, hey, you know what? They're paying more, or this is a good company, and I want to work for them. The downfall was that I had a day job, so I'm not going to work on any of those projects or even like do anything with them until after hours. And for some of them, they kind of didn't want that. You know, a lot back then contracting was, hey, we want you to come on site, work during um, working business hours so we could communicate. But I was really clear with the ones that I accepted and the ones that accepted me was, hey, you know what? I can still communicate with you via email or phone, but I can't do any work. I can do the work after hours. And I think that was kind of tough at some times too, because I'm working eight hours, right? I go home, spend time with my family. And then in the evenings, I work again on freelance and it could be for three to four hours. So that constant grind was something that has been with me throughout my career. And as we talked about earlier, is that grind, right? I think I trained myself that it's not that I needed it, but when I want it and I can fit it into my schedule, it's an easy flip of the switch for me. Like I can do it and I can just go and grind it out. Opposed to if I've never done it before and you give me a project now and be like, oh yeah, sure. I can spend 20 hours on it. No, I probably can't because you have to learn how to balance your schedule. You have to learn how to be efficient because, you know, I'll be honest, like during the day, like sometimes you're just browsing YouTube, (laughs) browsing the internet, you're wasting a couple hours of work. Okay, now I'll get it. I'm going to get down to it. When you're contracting and freelancing, every minute counts. Like you're wasting time, you're wasting your own time and you're not going to get the deadline done. Uh, sure, you can build a client, but that just means that you can't get more work later. The sooner you get it done, the quicker you can find the next job. Yeah. Now, how do you continuously move up in your career? I think one thing that really helped me was I'm always looking for the next thing, right? I'm always like, Hey, what's next? Um, sure. Okay. I got this uh, middle tier level role. What's next? How can I get a senior? Okay. Now I got it. What's next? How can I become a leader? Okay. What's next? Now, how can I become a manager? Right. Like I'm always like looking for the next thing. And I think that drive has helped me um, kind of mold myself into what I am today because Without that drive, I don't think I would be in the position I am. I would probably just settle for something and be like, oh, you know, it's fine. It is what it is. But no, I'm always looking for what's next. And it's not even like money-based either. It's more like uh, success-based or uh, just kind of uh, marking things off my bucket list, right? Like these are the things I kind of want to do. And sure, the money, the finances come with it, which is great. But it's more so, hey, this is what I want to do. I wanted to become this one day. I want to do that one day. I still want to own my, company, my own company one day. I still want to build an agency one day, right? These are things that I strive for and I still want to do. And knowing that those are my goals, I create many goals to get there, right? Like if I want to own my business one day, well, that means that I have to create um, some financial freedom to get there. 
to save some money that eventually if I do get there, then I can have a life savings to do it because when I do it, I can make a little, you know, be a little bit riskier and start that. So uh, there's like little, little goals that I kind of have set in my mind. I do that. I don't write them down, which I should, <laughs> but it's in my, it's in my mind. Like, okay, this, these are the incremental things that I want to do. And this is where I want to get to. Obviously I can't get there overnight, but I need to work my way to get there. And nowadays I'm very intentional about that. Like when I started with Microsoft, uh, I was hired on as a senior engineer and I told them right away and I say, Hey, my goal for the past four years has been to become an engineer manager. Uh, when I was at this company and that company, I told them that and they didn't have any opportunities or they just didn't give me any opportunities to get there. And by doing that, uh, within three months, we had an opportunity come up. I, I'm not a manager yet, but they were like, hey, we know that you want to do this. We have a, a, an availability for you to shift over to, to, to lead this project. By leading this project, you're going to lead the architecture. You're going to lead the resourcing and everything. Pretty much what a manager does. And I said, okay, let's do it. So by doing that for the past six months, it's been such a grind, but they've put me in situations where I know that now when it's all said and done, I should be able to move up to that level and to that title because they put me in that, into that position. But I had to be intentional about it. If I wasn't, I don't know if they would have known that that's what I wanted to do. But because that became available, my manager fought for me and said, no, I want him to do that. I know I can trust him and he wants to build up to this. Let's give him this opportunity. Wow, that's amazing. Now, what would you say broke you into Microsoft? I would probably say, well, obviously my experience uh, really helped out, um, but also a cultural fit. Um, I drive really well with all the employees that uh, I have um, and uh, being able to understand kind of what they're going through uh, because what obviously when you interview you don't know what type of person they're looking for what kind of character what kind of skill set there's mumble jumble on yeah. the, the job description right i want to react i want this this and that but there's something specific that they're looking for and what i had was i had a track record of going to companies when they were rebuilding their application or website and being a part of that process from the beginning, building it from ground up, right? Like a green for application, building it from the ground up. And the questions they asked me was, hey, what would you do if you were to refactor a piece of code that was pretty large, right? And so because I already had that experience, I think my answer really drives well. what what's really good for them. It was pretty much, well, I would do it in, in an iterative approach because if you die right in, it's going to be too hard. So I would start with something that's really small, uh, maybe one of the smallest uh, components that you have, uh, convert that over and then learn from it and then go on to the next one that's you know a little bit bigger. Do that one again. And then as you get to the largest one, you already have all this learning and you can put all that learning into, the, into that big piece of component and the functionality should be way easier to complete. And then when I got hired, we didn't do it right away, but we did eventually get to that point. And I believe that that really helped sell myself there was the experience I had, but the ability to sell myself as well. I'm really good. Well, I think I am at my soft skills, but my technical skills and 
if I interview, do live coding, stuff like that, I suck at it. Like I hate it and I suck at it. I don't practice it that much at all, but I had to force myself to do it because I know that a lot of interviews, that's what they do. You got to play the game. So I did do some live coding with them, but it wasn't that challenging. It was more so uh, practical coding. And so I was able to pass that round. But the technical side of things, I thought it did okay. I don't really answer technical questions that well because um, I'm a doer, right? If you give me the if you give me the task, I know what to do. I know how to do it. Technically speaking, how does it work and all that stuff? Sure, on the high level, I can talk about it. But on the, on the low level side, I may not know the technical terms of how to uh, put these things together, but I know how to build it up. Nice, nice. Now you obviously have like a you know a long career. What would you say yeah. you're most proud of? Um, I am most proud of the people that I have trained. Um, I have had the opportunity to work with interns, with some junior developers, um, even some mid and senior level developers too, that I have been able to train and help. My focus is on the UX side of things. So the reason why I say the people that I help is because it's like a big achievement for me or like it warms my heart when I'm able to help someone change their trajectory. Um, in one case, we had an intern come in at an agency that I worked at. He came in really raw, fresh out of college, and it was a three-month intern. So I had him for a, a month and a half, and my other engineer had him for a month and a half. He came, he hopped on with me. I worked with him almost every day. And then when it was said and done, we couldn't hire him because we had no resources, right? So he was able to find a job right away for another company. And he messaged me and said, hey, I just want to thank you for helping me and training me because the reason why I got this job was because of your training and how particular and, and meticulous you were with me. And I was like, oh, great. Like, what was it that really helped? He said, well, just the process, the ability to be detailed. And when I went to the interview, it was really easy. I was able to get it. And I was like, wow, like, that's amazing. Like, that just resonates with me. Like, like I obviously, my career has been amazing. But the people that I've impacted, I think, mean more to me than my own career. Um, I also had helped some other seniors as well. Like, a lot of back engineers, they don't really understand the design side of things or the UX side of things. And a lot of those engineers also come back to me and say, hey, you know what? Like the skills that you've taught me, like I've learned a lot from it. It's really helped me round out my skills. Wow. No, that's amazing. I think that's like the best thing, just lifting other people up because you went through the hard yeah. part and you're taking the hundreds of hours that you've learned that skill through and passing it on to them. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Man. Now, looking back, what was the hardest thing that you went through in your career? The hardest thing is that I did not have a go-to mentor. If I would have had that, I think I would have shortcutted my route to success probably in half. Um, the reason why I say that is because, like we talked about earlier, how I learned was through books, was through grinding it out, was through freelancing, was through figuring all this stuff on my own. Yes, I had some people along the way that helped me here and there, but no true person that was like, hey, I'm your mentor or like, uh, I'm a go-to. You can come to me anytime you want. If you have any questions, 
you can come to me even after you don't, you know, feel comfortable, um, reach out to me, all that stuff, or they'll reach out to me, right? Like I did, I never had somebody like that, but I have had people to help me along the way. And I wish that um, somebody would have told me that and said, hey, you should find a mentor or, hey, I want to be your mentor. Or if you want, I can be your mentor. And that goes a long way because I had to learn things on my own. I had to fail a lot to find success. Like there was just throughout my career, I really didn't know where I was going. All I know was I'm going to get a job and I'm going to stay there forever, right? It wasn't like, hey, how can you advance your career? How can you do this? Not just the hop jobs, but okay, this is your goal. You want to become um, a principal engineer. Okay, well, this is these are the steps that you need to take to get there. Nobody taught me that. They just said, oh, here, here's the work. Here, do that. Do this. And I would ask, like, hey, how do I get a raise? Right? <laughs> like, that's pretty much it. It wasn't even like, how do I take the next step in my career? What am I doing wrong? What can I do better? Like, obviously, that comes with reviews and stuff like that. But when you have a mentor that can kind of guide you and be like, hey, Shashi, like, this thing called um, React is getting really popular. And I'm hearing a lot of good things about it. You should learn about it and build some projects on it and all this stuff, right? I didn't really have anybody like that. I tried to build a network of friends and stuff um, to kind of uh, build that rapport. But it's really difficult when you're not at one place for a super long time. You just don't build those kind of relationships as fast and as quick. So by having a mentor, I feel like I would have been able to go to that person and figure out a lot of things uh, that I had to learn from 17 years of experience. One of the biggest things is negotiating, right? Negotiating and finding a network and finding openings and stuff like that. A mentor could kind of do a lot of that for you. They can ask their network. Uh, they can help you negotiate. They can help you provide you with the right answers to kind of answers questions and all of that. Now, mentors, they really shortcut things because it's like sometimes you don't need to go through the hard pains or you have a shortcut yeah. or even directionally, like, you know, hey, here's where I should go because they have experienced things that you don't know about and they'll save you a lot of time. Now, was there ever a time where your lack of a college degree held you back? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, dude. Like, <sighs> there's been a couple companies that I applied to, and through the application, I got to the interview, phone call, and they say, "Oh yeah, um, and you have a bachelor's degree, right?" I said, "No, I don't." They're like, "Oh well, I can't pass you through." I'm like, "What are you talking about? I've been, we went through this whole process already. I'm on the phone screen right now. What are you talking about? You should have rejected me earlier." Oh, that was a mishap on our end. Like, we can't let you do it. The company has a hard requirement that you need a four-year degree or more. I'm like, okay. <laughs> you see my experience, right? I have eight years or 10 years or whatever. That's not good enough. And they're like, no, they want you to have a four-year degree. I was like, okay, that's fine. You know, I think that was uh, a point where it kind of hurt. And, and I can also say too, like, my ability to learn coding, developing, and engineering, right? The architecture side of things, I had to go through several years of learning that, reading lots of books, and learning from other people to really grasp those concepts, uh, like object-oriented object programming 
and, and all of that, like all the patterns, like the design patterns, like they don't teach that in art school. Yeah. <laughs> so like even till today, like I know those patterns, like I know how to use those patterns. I don't know what they're called mm. because I was never taught that. And I feel like if I went to a, a computer science program that taught these things that grinded you on this, then I would understand those concepts and those will help me more. But nowadays it's like, oh yeah, class inheritance. Yep, we're going to use this. This is how we're going to do it. Yes. And then my coworkers like, what are you like? You're talking about this, right? I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> because I'm like, oh yeah, technically it's called that. But I'm explaining it to you like this because this is how my mind registers it. And I feel like um, it would really help. And for myself, if my kids want to become engineers, I would definitely like ask them to do that because it would help them build their foundation and go through uh, what I didn't go through is like all that learning, right? It, I mean, you're going to school for it and you want to become an engineer, like go through that course and figure that out. I feel a lot for those boot campers because when I was at the agency in Minnesota, there was this boot camp that was turning people yeah. like in and out, like after nine weeks, yeah. like super quick. And every single one of them that I interviewed said the same thing. I was like, what is going on? These are like robots or something. I asked them different questions. They answered all the same. Like I'm telling you, all 10 of them answered things the same. I was like, this is really odd. And then when we put them to the test, what they're building and all that stuff, they couldn't tell us. Like, it was like, wow, like, I can't even refer you for an internship. That's where the guy I was talking about that got the job that uh, that was uh, able to intern for me, he came from a two-year college, but they were specific in engineering. And when we interviewed him, he was pretty good. But then all these other boot campers were like, whoa, some of these are have like microbiology degree. One of them was like uh, an astrophysicist. And I'm like, whoa, like these resumes are amazing. But they come in, we're talking to them about tech and they're like, I've only touched JavaScript. I've only done this in CSS. All of that. I'm like, we're like, whoa, man, this is a no-go. Like you need more experience. You need more for what we where we're at. We can't risk yeah. that, right? Like I can't handhold you right now. You definitely need to go learn more before you come back. But I feel like that's where a degree will come in play is the foundations that will build, that you will build. And when you go apply for these jobs and all that, sure, it looks good on paper. But when they talk to you, you will set yourself apart because you understand how kind of uh, things come together and things how, how things are built. Yeah, no, it's really important because some of these boot camps just churn out people really quickly. Oh, yeah. And there's a lot of work. And then, you know, now the good thing is they have Coursera and they have these other things where you can fill out those things that you're missing that you can take some of the, maybe the calculus, the linear algebra, yeah. the discrete math, some of the foundations. So just realize that there are ways without necessarily going the full four years, but just realize that there are gaps yeah. and it's a long process. Don't think like, hey, two months, you're oh, going to be oh, oh, oh. good. A lot of these times, like minimum three to six months to get some competency in one area. Yeah, yeah, I, I would say that too, because uh, I, you know, obviously on Twitter, there's a lot of people career changing yeah. and the career changing because they want to break in tech and make more money and all that stuff. And I don't blame it at all, but a lot of these boot camps and people are, are 
selling them like, hey, do this in three months and you'll get a six-figure job. It's like, ah, no, I'm sorry. (laughs) Like some of these people are selling you short. Some of them are have already gone through a two-year degree or four-year degree and they switched over and they're a superstar because yeah, obviously they've done it already, right? But but the true career changers, knowing like it's very difficult. It's gonna take you time. You have to learn, you have to grind it out. Case be told, I have a mentee, she was a dental hygienist, and she had been learning for about a year. And then I took her under my wing and helped her out and um, really just helped her hone her skills and stuff. Even by doing that, it still took her another year to grind it out and to, to really fully break into tech and find a full-time front-end developer job in New York. And afterwards, I saw her work and I was like, who wouldn't hire you? Like, your work is amazing. Like, you're so detailed on stuff. She's like, yeah, well, I learned from your example and your project and all that. And I was like, that's fantastic. Like, that's the kind of grind that everybody needs to make is to strive for that excellence. Because in my example, like I built it maybe four or five years ago, and it was very detailed and very broken up and very decoupled, like very enterprisey, right? And she built hers similar. She learned, she said, yeah, every day I would just look at your code and learn from it. Uh, you first engineer it and understand it. And I was like, wow, like I didn't really tell you to do that, but you're doing it on your own and you're really learning. And I think that's what it would take is a career switcher to go that distance, to grind it out, to understand, um, to truly grasp it. Because even after a few months, like there's no way, like I've seen, okay, I do portfolio reviews. Um, I used to do it every Friday. I do it once a, once a month now on certain Fridays. And the amount of portfolios I review that are really good are yeah. maybe 5%. Like 5% out of the 95%. That's really bad. Yeah. And I'm very honest in them. And I always say, hey, this is not good enough. The reason why I'm really critical about that is because I want you to succeed. And I want to be honest with you because if I'm a hiring manager and I see this, I'm not going to look at it. And I want to help you by saying, look, you need to do this. You need to do that. Use a template or do this and that to get yourself a chance. If you don't have that chance, you don't even have an opportunity. Um, and then a lot of uh, people, I'm sure you, you might have some too, that they come to me and say, hey, I've been applying like for 100 jobs and I have zero callbacks. And I say, okay, let me see your resume. Let me see your portfolio. Within one second, I'm like, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's not structured. Your resume is not structured. It doesn't have the good co- uh, good content in there. It's not well well organized. Your portfolio is not ideal. It's not uh, pleasing to the eye. It's not catchy. It doesn't portray who you are. Like you really need to revamp these things because nowadays you have split second, yeah. like a couple seconds to prove yourself and for uh, recruiters and hiring managers to kind of to catch their eye. Yeah, no, and it's so true because a lot of times I see some people, hey, I applied to 200, 300, 400, 500, whatever, <laughs> yeah. X amount of jobs, I'm not getting any callbacks. And it's like, look, the resume and the portfolio, in a lot of those times, you have to have that introspection and the awareness to be like, all right, something's not working. Let me go yeah. ask get feedback and let me go get feedback from people who are higher up who are going to tell me straight up, right? Because I see a lot of bad resumes. I see a lot, but I'm not going to go to someone and say, hey, your resume is bad because a lot of people get offended. 
if someone comes yeah. to me and asks me, I will give them the answer. Just like you don't want to just go on and point out and then you don't want to come across as a bad yep. guy. And then people say, hey, Shashi, <laughs> yep. you're so mean. This person's going. But yep. the reality is the companies will be much more mean because the fact is they're just going to say no. They're going to reject you. They're never going to answer you. And you're not going to get these results. So you need sort of someone who's going to say that and you need to take it seriously. Yep. I think that's the thing is a lot of people in the industry need to understand that when you get feedback, negative feedback, particularly, don't take it personally. Take it as, hey, you know what? Maybe you're right. Maybe I am doing something wrong or something. Um, obviously, it depends on the person who gave it to you as well. Yeah. <laughs> but for me, I'm like, no, I, I, I put it out there and I'm really honest with them. And say, hey, I'm going to give you constructive criticism. I'm going to be honest because I want you to find a job. Um, not just because I want to beat on your resume or your portfolio or anything. And I think that's the difference, right? Like finding people that are willing to do that for you. Because I always tell people like, when you show somebody, your friends or your family, your work, what are they going to say? It looks great. Yeah. Looks good. Oh, great job. Like awesome job. And I'm like, okay, but what can I do better? Oh, it looks perfect. And then I go shows, you know, the... Uh, trying to apply for a job or something like, oh yeah, sorry, we're going to pass. I'm like, why? Can't tell you why. It's like, well, there's a reason why. (laughs) Because your project kind of sucks, you know, but nobody's telling you that. So just provide constructive criticism. Let be like, hey, you know what? This is a good job, but are you looking for feedback? And they they say, yeah, like that's, yeah, I'm totally looking for it. And give me some uh, honest feedback. Then I'll be like, okay, here it is. This thing is good, kind of, you know, softening the blow, but this, you can do this better. This is what I would suggest and all that stuff. This is okay. This is not bad, but let's make this better, right? Have you thought about doing this? Like I've learned so much from my managers at Microsoft. Like they, they, they intentionally ask questions so that I answer the, uh, the issue so that they're not pointing it out. And I'm like, okay, that's pretty smart because then I realized that that part is wrong or that's not going to work. Uh, opposed to them pointing out saying, hey, you're doing it wrong. Right? They're like, hey, have you thought about doing this? Or what if A was like this? And then you think about it, you're like, oh, yeah, you're right. Like That's, that's better. That's more efficient or that's going to look better. And so by doing that, I think guides their brain to understand that, oh, yeah, like this. I'm trying to tell you that there's a better way to do this, but you, you have to come up with that conclusion yourself so that it can help you move forward. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Now, this is going to be a very different question. You sure. see your 18-year-old self walking down the street today. What do you tell him? I tell him that everything is going to be okay. That going into uh, this career that we love so much is going to pan out in the end. That... Um, you know, we're going to be blessed with a great life and a great family because I think when I was 18, you know, you, I didn't plan anything. I just, I was just living life. And I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to see how things go. But once I went, hit like 20 or so, like I was, I don't know. I was just always thinking of the next thing. Like, okay, now I got a job. Now I get an apartment. Not get an apartment. I gotta get a house. I gotta get a house. I gotta get a family. I got a family. I gotta get a minivan. I got a minivan even before I had two, like three kids. Like 
I got an SUV before I even had one kid. And people are like, why are you getting such big? I'm like, because I'm planning for the future. (laughs) So always doing that. So I would definitely tell myself that um, continue down your journey. Uh, you're, You're going to be okay. But again, going back, find a mentor. Find someone in that industry that you can ask to specifically guide your career and be a mentor for you. Yeah, no, that's amazing. You dropped so much knowledge. You know, I just want to say really appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much for sharing your story and really look forward. And I know that when you become that engineering manager, the people under you are going to be blessed to have someone like you. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> I, I, sometimes I don't know if I do a good job. So. Yeah, I think you'll do a great job. <laughs> thank you for your time. Thank you, man. Another great episode. Thank you for listening. Hopefully this information was valuable and you learned a lot. Stay tuned for the next episode. This show is sponsored by you. No Degree wants to remain free from influence so that we can talk about the topics without bias. If you think the show is worth a dollar or two, please check out our Patreon page. Any amount is appreciated and we'll go towards making future episodes even better. Follow us on Instagram or Snapchat at No Degree Podcast. On Facebook at facebook.com slash no degree inc. If you want to personally reach out to me, connect or follow me on LinkedIn at Janaid Iqbal, spelled J-O-N-A-E-D, last name I-Q-B-A-L. Until next time, no degree, no problem, nodegree.com.